Friends, join me in prayer. Loving God, your word is a light to our feet. Guide us. Help us to listen to no other voices but your own. And help us to pattern our lives after your son, our savior, in the ways that he taught his disciples. May we live so faithfully. In the Spirit's power we pray. Amen. Today's gospel lesson comes from the book of Matthew, starting with the first verse of Matthew 20. Listen to this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. So the landowner said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? Jesus taught, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a kid, Watching videos was a special treat, and it usually happened when we had a babysitter and my parents were away for evening meetings. Growing up, I watched the Marlo Thomas VHS classic, Free to Be You and Me, enough times to have it memorized. Now, I loved the stories and the music, and my parents appreciated the empowering messages of a princess who decided to travel around the world instead of getting married, and a young boy who loved his baby doll. 
One of the stories was about a little girl who was a tender, sweet young thing. She loved looking in the mirror and complimenting herself. She always wore lovely starched cotton dresses with matching ribbons in her lovely curly locks, clean white socks, and shiny black patent leather shoes. She forced her way to the front of the school lunch line, declaring, ladies first, ladies first, and her classmates obliged reluctantly. Now this little girl declared that she should always be first, and she even deserved a full helping of fruit instead of having to share because she was so lovely and well-dressed. Now life went really smoothly for this pretty little girl until her class took a field trip to the jungle. In the story, a pack of tigers traps the students and takes them back to their lair to decide who they will eat first. The tigers debate who will be the first for their feast as they check out each kid. And our protagonist declares that she should be untied from the rest because her dress is getting all messy and twisted. One final time, she proclaims, ladies first, ladies first. And so she is the first to become Tiger Stew. Now it's a playful tale about the dangers of always putting yourself at the front of the line or in the best position. But if we're honest, this rings true for many of us when it comes to conventional wisdom. Being first is a goal we all want on some level. Being the line leader in elementary school was an honor that was passed around among my classmates in a rotation so that it was fair how often each of us got the prime position. And such favor was shared in order by each student in the class. And then on the playground, no one wanted to be picked last for the team because being first is the premier place we all strive to achieve. And in the same manner, we value and prefer merit as a basis of rewards and how systems work with fairness. We are comfortable with rewards and prizes when we feel we have worked hard enough to earn them. The donut or extra scoop of ice cream after a really tough workout. An extra 30 minutes of gaming online after passing a test when you weren't sure how you might do. Or the glass of wine or beer after a trying day on the job or splurging on something fun after sticking to your budget or having to cancel plans for a trip you were looking forward to, the job promotion after years of loyalty and the A- minus on a paper after reading the book carefully and revising your writing, the cycle of merit rewarded after effort and achievement is how we structure much of our lives. It feels good to earn our way to the top of the leaderboard or the head of the class or the corner office with a fancy title. We are used to earning points and benefits with our credit cards, our grocery savings, our loyalty shopping, 
and even our daily calories. We earn our way through life in all sorts of ways. So it's no wonder that this parable Jesus tells of God's economy of grace, of God's audacious generosity, makes us uncomfortable and bristle with the unfairness of it all. The landowner goes into the marketplace five times looking for people to work in the vineyard. And we are told he discusses and barters the daily living wage with only the first group who begin their work for him early in the morning after the first round of his hiring. When he brings on the next workers, there is no discussion. The landowner promises he will pay them whatever is right, according to the NRSV. The message uses the term a fair wage, and the New Century Version translates it as, I will pay you what your work is worth. When the day is done, the landowner instructs his manager to line up the workers in the reverse order of how they were hired, with those hired at 5 p.m. at the front and those hired in the morning at the end. Now I'm curious, as you listen to this story, which group of workers do you identify with? Do you imagine you would have been among the first to get to work early in the morning? Do you usually start your day and enjoy your first cup of coffee bright and early before sunrise? Or do you imagine you might be in the middle of the line, starting work at 9 a.m. or noon? I wonder how many listening to Jesus tell this story expect they would have been among the last group hired and at the front of the line to get paid. Depending on where you see yourself in line, you may have a different perspective on this parable. But the story doesn't tell us how the first group of workers responded to receiving a full day's pay after just working one hour. We aren't aware of their reaction to the generosity of the landowner or what emojis they use texting or on Instagram. Jesus describes the grumbling and discontent by the workers who have labored the entire day Frustrated that the landowner only gave them what they had agreed to since they had worked so much longer. This first group of laborers resists being treated the same way as the rest. They don't understand how the last crew that worked only an hour is put on equal ground after they labored so long. And we hear them arguing and crying out, that what, the laborer has, that what the landowner has done is not fair. We understand their outcry. We know how employment agreements are supposed to work. You get paid by the hour or at a certain salary level based on your education, your experience, and the extent of your responsibility. We're used to an economy of merit where your pay is based on your type of work and the time you put in. But Jesus reverses these expectations, and this landowner declares that no one should be envious because he is so generous. The Greek is translated. 
Is your evil eye, is your eye evil because I am good? God's economy of grace flips the merit-based system on its head. And the graciousness of God is surprising and magnanimous. Now, it's important to note that this is not the first time Jesus reverses the assumption of merit and the worth of being first. Today's passage is sandwiched between two stories of the rich young ruler asking Jesus how to earn eternal life and the mother of James and John asking Jesus to ensure her sons on his right and left in glory. Jesus surprises both of these earnest merit seekers with his responses. He alters their assumptions by pushing them to reconsider what they are truly requesting. He responds with a countercultural statement that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. That the one who wants to be great must be servant of all. Now, of course, this is not how the tender, sweet young girl expected to be treated by her classmates or the tigers with a ladies first life mantra. And here the rich young man is encouraged to sell all he has. All he has earned and accumulated should be given to the poor before he follows Jesus. He goes away disheartened by such an assignment. And the mother of James and John doesn't get what she hoped for either. Glory and a position of honor for her boys. No, Jesus responds that she doesn't really know what she's asking. She's asking for her dear boys to suffer and to serve. Now, in the context of these stories, it becomes clear why the group of early laborers were surprised and shocked by the way the landowner paid out the wages. They didn't realize what kind of landowner he was. They didn't realize he was a landowner who prioritized the last and the least desired a landowner who makes sure that everyone has a chance to return home with a living wage that sustains them for a day. A landowner that is just. A landowner that is generous and focused on people instead of being stingy and focused on profit. Such a landowner surprises us with grand generosity and bold grace. We need to hear Jesus teaching us that we can't earn our way into God's good graces. For whenever and however we arrive, we are right on time. Today's gospel story is troubling for those of us who want life to be fair, yet it is good news for everyone. God's grace is sufficient for all. In God's economy of grace, we can't earn or achieve our way to the front, and God ensures that we are taken care of well, generously. It doesn't matter if your outfit is pressed and you are wearing matching bows or shiny shoes. 
God doesn't focus on accomplishments, status, or appearances. It's not fair how God's love and grace are lavish and over the top, and that's a blessing for us all. Now, in my family, we had a rule that when dessert was divided, one person got to make the cut and the other person got to choose the piece first. My parents created this rule to ensure my brother and I were fair when it came to dividing brownies, cake, and pie, because we were focused on sharing fairly. It's human nature to focus on what is fair, but that's not how God works. God works through extravagant grace. God's serving of grace for you isn't contingent on if you've been faithful or consistent in your prayer life these past weeks, or if you've focused on other lists and tasks. God welcomes you in. We can't worry our way or work our way into God's heart friends, we already have a place through grace. So this week, trust that no matter your place in line or your timing, you are valued by God and worthy of grace. And so is your annoying neighbor. And so is your frustrating family member. And so is your slow colleague and your parent who just doesn't get it. God's grace has them covered too. God's grace is more generous than we can fathom. It's an economy that is shocking and excessive. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. Gracious God, we give thanks for your abundant grace and your extravagant love. We give thanks for the ways in which you remind us to widen our hearts and open our eyes to share your love and grace in a weary, hurting world. Lead us this week to bear your mark, to follow your Son, and to heed the Spirit as we share your hope, peace, and joy with our friends, family, and neighbors. Amen.